0: If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts.
1: The third one
0: in the East, Philadelphia. That was the scene in Love Park last Thursday evening when soccer fans from around the Philadelphia area heard the announcement from FIFA that Philadelphia will be one of the 10 U.S. cities to host the World Cup in 2026. Soccer fans are
2: just absolutely ecstatic about this, but it's not a simple task to host an event that draws half a million people from all around the world. We've seen host cities really struggle to meet the facility needs and costs for big sporting events in the past, like the Olympics and even this year's World Cup in Qatar.
0: So is the World Cup a good thing or a bad thing? What are the real life effects that we can expect to see in this city within the next four years as the World Cup comes in? We'll talk about that today. I'm Jay Scott Smith.
2: I'm Sabrina boyd Circa.
0: So to get the full picture of the good, the bad and potentially ugly parts of hosting the World Cup, we have brought in Matthew DeGeorge, the assistant sports editor at the Delaware County Times. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Are you excited about this news that the World Cup in 2026 is going to be coming to Philadelphia? Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I uh, you have to maintain a certain level of uh dispassionate journalistic distance to this, but it certainly is an exciting thing for so many people in this city that have worked really hard for a long time, especially on the soccer side and growing the game in this city. This is a monumental achievement. And I think we saw that on uh, last Thursday at Love Park, the, the outpouring of joy of about a thousand people there and what this means to a lot of people in this soccer community.
0: Yeah. I was in that crowded Love Park last week and you could feel it like walking out there like this was a really massively huge deal for the city. Now, it's been 30 years since the World Cup was held here in the United States, but this is the first time for Philadelphia. First thing, when it comes to Philadelphia, what does it actually take to host the World Cup? What structural things do we have to think of that are going to be coming here? This is bigger than having, say, a Super Bowl in the city.
1: This is this is like having uh, this is like having five or six Super Bowls, maybe coming to town. Uh, It's certainly going to be a big deal in terms of the amount of people that are coming into town. It's not a single day thing like some sporting events. It's going to be something where you're going to have people that just want to come into the city and be part of it. Whatever whatever country is going to be playing here, there's going to be many more people in the city, then are going to have tickets. They just want to be in proximity to this. Uh, in terms of what the city has to do, the the bright side is, is that they're used to hosting these kinds of events. Uh, I tend to think once you've hosted the World Meeting of Families in the way that the city has, uh, when you have to close down, you know, a large portion of the city, this is not that, but this is certainly something that is bigger than most of the sporting events that have ever been hosted here. There's going to be uh, all kinds of events in the cities, I would assume in the days around it, for, for the people that are here, it's obviously going to mean a lot of hotel rooms and and restaurants and all that kind of business. It's going to mean very heavy days on public transit. Um, but these all seem to be things that the city is ready for and is kind of used to in some of the things that they have
0: that they've hosted in the past. Now, there are also a lot of concerns about the environmental aspects of this as well. David Mazur, who's the executive director of Penn Environment, he's concerned about the practice fields that are going to be replacing the meadows at FDR Park. We shouldn't have to
1: destroy places that are critical for outdoor enjoyment and for our local uh, species.
0: But that's part of the park's renovation plans anyway. And FIFA still hasn't decided where they even want these practice fields to be. So, Matt, do you know how this conversation works? Like what goes into that decision?
1: Yeah, that's all baked into uh, what some of the plans that the Philly committee have been uh, putting forth. Most of the early plans have focused on the game day venues. One of the things that is attractive about Philadelphia is that they have a lot of the training infrastructure already. So in the past, when the, when the U.S. national team has come here either for games or for international tournaments, Uh, There's always different fields that are made available for training. Penn is one. Uh, There's also the Union's Training Complex in Chester, which that kind of 20 miles is not really a big thing when uh, when everyone's kind of camped out for the World Cup. There's already a pretty sizable uh, training infrastructure that's in place that there isn't a great need to to add a bunch of new fields.
2: So it sounds like because my mind immediately goes to like the Olympics where you hear so many stories of host cities just spending all this money to build new things that never get used again and they end up not actually profiting in the end. But this is not on that level. It's not we're not going to be building anything new that is going to, you know, then we have to figure out what to do with it afterwards.
1: Right. And and FIFA, for its many issues, has at least internalized some of that criticism over the last uh it's now decades because, you know, they have paired with Qatar that has to build everything anew for this year. Um, there have been, you know, there's videos of the Brazil infrastructure of certain stadiums that are now essentially abandoned and South Africa had to do a lot of building, uh, for its world cup. So one of the explicit things in the bid was these are existing venues and not, uh, not really increasing the, uh, the footprint of the tournament all that much. And so you're not left with a lot of white elephant venues that are then empty.
0: Now we've we've brought FIFA up and they've long had significant issues. And we we've also mentioned this year's World Cup in Qatar, for example, just what's gone on in building some of the venues out there with the type of labor they've used to build these things, with people losing their lives in the midst of the construction. But FIFA's had numerous issues throughout the year, scandals that have resulted in people going to prison. For people who may not be up to speed on this, can you tell us what's going on with soccer's governing body? There's a lot of concern that getting into bed with FIFA could possibly bring some some PR issues along with everything else to the city of Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, FIFA is FIFA is a gigantic bureaucratic multinational body, and it has had a uh, shall we say less than a. Uh, less than forthright track record, uh, (laughs) in the past, I think is as delicately as I can put it. Um, and there are concerns about that. One thing that they have tried to do and that they actually have, uh, that they've adhered to a little bit more in this process is a little bit more transparency and venue selection. Um, I think you see it in the bids that actually got accepted they actually were the best bids in a lot of cases and i think you look no further than the fact that the world cup will not be going to the capital city of either canada or the united states in 2026 with washington dc and baltimore missing out i kind of view that as that would have been an old fifa type thing of okay we need to be in the nation's capital but the bid's not as strong let's see how we can massage it and get there um in terms of for philly i think where This almost benefits in some ways is that the Philadelphia bid was very strategic in filling some of the holes in FIFA messaging. So FIFA has for a long time talked a big game about developing soccer at the grassroots level, and some of that money has not exactly found its way to the places that it needed to be. Philadelphia fills that hole through the Unity Cup and some really great community outreach that they've been doing independent of the World Cup bid for years that FIFA can then tout and say, hey, this is who we're partnering with and they're meeting our ideals in this way on the environmental uh, perspective, Lincoln Financial Field and its LEED certifications is one of the greener stadiums in the United States. So coming here is a way for FIFA to say, yes, we do care about the environmental aspect of it and our carbon footprint of this. Um, So in some ways, Philadelphia has kind of strategically met those holes in the the FIFA rhetoric, and they've kind of complemented them in a way that I think has benefited them. I I shy away from saying that FIFA has made progress on a lot of its issues progress is all relative and it means that you know executives haven't been uh hauled out of swiss hotels and arrested in the middle of the night uh in in several years so if that's what progress looks like then that's what maybe progress looks like but um you know there's always concerns when you're partnering with a large uh a large multinational body that
0: has as much money and diverse interests as fifa does Now, we'll take a brief time out here, and coming up, we'll take a look at the ways that the World Cup could benefit the city of Philadelphia as well as the Philadelphia area. Stay with us. We'll have more coming up. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. And we're talking with Matthew DeGeorge, the assistant sports editor at the Delco Daily Times, about the pros and cons of Philadelphia hosting the 2026 World Cup. We've also talked about money and the costs of this thing. But what about the profit? Just how much money could this bring in to the city of Philadelphia? And will that outweigh what was spent to get this here? Well, so one of the things that's been
1: really important about the Philadelphia bid is the way that they have gotten buy in from uh, the various corporate partners here in Philadelphia, whether that's Comcast, whether that's Independence Blue Cross, That has kind of lessened uh, some of the costs in all of this. Because you're not building stadiums, because you're not investing in infrastructure as much, the costs aren't necessarily as pronounced. Um, Obviously, the tourism benefits are significant. So in terms of the estimated impact there, what the Philadelphia Bid Committee estimated was $460 million uh, of economic impact to the city. They're expecting up to 500,000 visitors attached to however many games they end up getting. That could be five or six, depending on the numbers. And that's still something that's subject to FIFA awarding specific games.
2: And when you say impact, to be clear, that's a positive. So $460 million between tourism spending and other investments. So that's a lot of money. I can see the
0: appeal. Now, of course, the key part of the World Cup is the sport itself. Soccer, as we call it here in the States, of course, football, everywhere else around the world, it often gets overshadowed here in the U.S. Now, we've got a whole generation of very passionate soccer fans here in the city. I saw it at the Union game this past weekend. What does this mean to the soccer community here in the Philadelphia area? And also, what are some of the other benefits that this this uh, this World Cup could bring?
1: I think of it so much in terms of the imagination factor Um, right now there are so many important people in MLS and U.S. soccer who kind of came of age in some ways in that 1994 World Cup who can talk about sitting at home and watching Uh, you know, I had a long conversation with Alejandro Bedoya, an honorary co-chair of the bid and the union's captain. Um, And he came from a Colombian-American family who rooted very hard for Colombia in the 1994 World Cup. And he remembers being seven or eight years old and, and watching those games and what that did for him in terms of setting his goals with the sport and enhancing his love of the sport. But I think for so many people that are either young people or people that don't know that they like soccer yet, or just interested in sports, the proximity to the spectacle of the world cup just increases exponentially what you can imagine this sport being. It just piques people's interests in such a way that I don't think it can be underestimated. What, what's seeing the world cup, what's seeing soccer at its best uh, seeing what soccer means to so many different people, You're going to have people coming from all over the world to Philadelphia to see uh, countries that maybe you don't think about every day play soccer. And these soccer games are going to be the biggest event in that country in a long time, maybe ever in some cases. Uh, I always enjoy the World Cup because it introduces you to players and teams that you've never seen before. I don't know who it is, but there's going to be somebody who turns in a tremendous performance and... Uh, in the games in Philadelphia from some country that maybe the average fan had never really heard of or thought of before. And that's going to be a player that they then follow and uh, and love for many, many years. And I think the World Cup offers that opportunity to to learn about different cultures, learn about different places. And I think that's what the World Cup can do when it's at its best.
2: Even beyond the sports level, Philadelphia has hosted a bunch of big events in the last decade. Between this, the Pope's visit in 2015, the Democratic National Convention in 2016, 2017 NFL draft. Does it feel to you like Philadelphia is becoming kind of a hub for major national and international events like this? Do you think that trend could continue with this World Cup and then beyond?
1: I would hope so. I mean, I I I tend to think once you've hosted the Pope, Uh, this is just a sports game. FIFA has not always come to town. And a lot of that was stadium related in that the vet wasn't really a suitable venue for soccer ever. Um, But I would hope that people would look at the track record of this city, especially in non-sports things. This is a city that has, I think, a pretty good balance in terms of what the government is willing to contribute to these events without spending itself into oblivion. Um, And I think they've been pretty strategic in selecting what they're able to host. And they've also done a good job of hosting those events. So uh, one of the things that came up a lot in the conversation is a little bit of Philadelphia shedding its kind of little brother mentality in a sporting sense. Um, And I think it's a little outside my depth to talk about Philly as a younger brother in a larger context, but I would hope that there are people that are looking at these events and don't think of Philadelphia that way because of what they've attracted and because of the job they've done hosting these major, uh, happenings, not even, not even sports events, but happenings. Um, and I think the world cup is only going to add to that when more people come to this city and see what the city has to offer are
0: I think they're going to want to come back. That's Matthew DeGeorge from the Delaware County Daily Times, the assistant sports editor there. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us today and talking about the World Cup. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now that's it for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith.
2: I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa.
0: Thank you for always listening to us. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll be back at you again real soon.